This podcast is for PR pros who are looking to discover the best strategies for landing their dream retainer clients and scoring them top tier media coverage. I'm your host, Jen Burson, and I want you to have a fulfilling career in PR that totally lights you up without sacrificing your personal or family time or your sanity. Welcome to the Pitching Powerhouse Podcast. We are going to jump in to today's topic, which is going to talk about a service that you may or may not be offering that uh, might be very profitable for you and is something that help position your agency moving forward so that you have a service that is a repeating retainer service. And once you get in and you're managing that, there are a lot more opportunities for results um, if your regular media outreach tends to be a little stagnant or you're in between launches, things like that. So we are living in the social media age and you know, people, especially Gen Z, they aren't so much looking for what celebrities are doing for inspiration anymore. That That's not the primary way that they're getting advice and insight into what's cool, interesting, what is kind of now. They're hearing it from influencers. Um, they are dictating the trends, which products are must-haves in their niche. And honestly, I don't love influencer relations, but... Um, we're going to talk about more managing influencer collaborations, partnerships, integrations, campaigns that are seeding influencers with your products, paying them for um, content that they're creating, running on their channels. You can run ads against it. That's the side of things we're going to talk about as an add-on service for your brand clients. Okay? So... Um, Influencers will dictate the trends in which products are must-haves, and if your client wants to target the young people with their next product, you'll probably start incorporating influencers into your PR strategy, and if you're not, they're probably going to ask you for it, or they probably have. So um, it can end up being a lot to handle, um, adding this to your offering no matter what side you're on, what industry, it's a big decision. But here are some things I want you to consider if you're thinking about incorporating influencer management um, or influencer seeding strategy into your agency, and then how you can kind of decide if this is uh, yes or no for you. Um, so influencer management is managing communications, collaborations, partnerships with your clients. So again, in this situation, we have the clients, we have the, you know, products that we are looking to get into the hands of influencers. The goal of influencer management by um, is to help your clients gain authority and have some recognition, visibility in your industry by using your niche's most influential voices. They have those followers on their social feeds for a reason. You know, people know they're credible. Um, at least they should feel like they're credible. Um, meaning 
they should not be seen as an account that is just there to shill products. If your whole feed, or you notice an influencer's entire feed is like product, 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 and everything's amazing, this is the best, blah, 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 it's amazing, it's amazing. I feel that that is not authentic. It doesn't feel like something that is organic to that person's content. It just feels like they're selling me stuff. And I have unfollowed a lot of people that I notice are just selling at all times. Um, so credibility is important. Um, influencers are the ones that are the best at really uh, moving the needle and making an impact on their audience are seen as credible. They're really passionate about the work they're doing, um, passionate about a product if they're talking about it. Um, they are trustworthy when it comes to recommendations and brand partnerships. They're not saying yes to every single thing that comes their way. They're not saying yes to things that aren't a good fit just because they want the money. They are trustworthy because they are vetting and choosing to talk about things that they really love and believe in. So we have an influencer management masterclass inside of the Pitch Lab that has more information about this. That's just one tiny little piece of all of the stuff that we have. But um, one of the things that has been an important metric kind of in the past is the size of their following, right? We've got, you know, the, the uh, micro-influencers, nano-influencers, um, macro, and then these mega-influencers. Um, what's best for your client is going to depend on your niche, and it will also depend on um, the budget, because the bigger the follower, the bigger the budget. We are noticing that it's more focused, the partnerships that are going to move the needle are more focused on value versus size. So the new year, we're not, we're not really following um, as much the size and paying for that visibility. This era, I believe, of categor categorizing these influencers by size, if it's like nano, micro, a mid-tier, it's kind of obsolete. So now we're looking at a more holistic approach, a more value-driven approach. So it is about being a little bit more discerning, um, maybe a little bit more focused on data. You know, um, we're looking at impact over just numbers. Um, you know, it's about um, what is the unique value that that influencer brings? So it's not totally just focused on follow follower count, but there could be some hidden opportunities or hidden partnerships um, by focusing on, yeah, data, like by focusing on engagement, you know, like uh, this is a metric where people, you know, they talk about something and people are actually having conversations around it. There's comments in the post that are um, conversations that feel more genuine. They're, um, you know, it's, if you just focus on this influencer size and you pay based on that, then 
there's this broader context that you're you're missing and it could be like a pretty costly oversight. So we notice that our clients are kind of opening their eyes to the fact that the value doesn't just lie in the numbers. It might be a more nuanced kind of multifaceted dynamic with an influencer that has um, value-driven, value-oriented approaches to partnerships. We love that. Um, we talked about that in our trends report in 2024 consumers are going to be making value-driven decisions when they purchase. Carry that over into your decisions on what influencers to work with. You want also inclusivity, um, a broader range of voices, a broader range, like more diversity, more inclusion. We know that that's going to come into influencer partnerships. You know, the, maybe the days of this sort of like, you guys know, if you're in the parenting scene at all, you know the... Um, the perfectly curated, beautiful moms who've, you know, just everything's just perfect and perfect and beautiful at all times. That's a huge missed opportunity to bring in some diverse voices, some diverse faces, opinions, things of that nature that are going to give your client a broader range of um you know, audiences to capture and more genuineness and more value-driven um, partnerships and engagement. And so um, if your influencer targets can offer uh, metrics on engagement and what those other partnerships have looked like and how successful they've been, that's going to be a lot more valuable than just this influencer has 100,000 followers. Um, we also want to make sure that their content is really well aligned with what your product is about or what your service is about so that it is um, <clears throat> authentic for them to be talking about it. Um, we also are seeing um, influencers, uh, AI could come into play here. So... Um, it's like taking AI and blending that with that human creativity and crafting something a little bit more uh, robust and creative. Like maybe there's a way to leverage AI um, and still not abandoning data and those analytics, but coming up with, um, you know, AI insights with human creativity to have something that's just totally unique and different. Um, we'll see what that looks like. You know, I don't know that I can point to an example and say, that's amazing. That's been really well done. Um, but it's coming. And if you check into that and you learn and discover along the way, because I do think that that is going to be a way to make them a little bit more interesting and kind of unprecedented. Um, and again, diversity, inclusion, um, we are standing up against anything that leaves anyone out. We want inclusivity. We want diverse voices. We want, um, it's not just a marketing, like again, I always say this, this is not a marketing tactic. This is who we are, right? Like it's your values to your core. It's a moral choice. And we're connecting with the socially conscious consumer of today because that is what they stand for, um, okay? Other ideas around influencer um, management 
um, not so much about the number, but uh, engagement. And uh, what we do in our agency, we look at influencer marketing kind of as another extension of PR. So it becomes um, another kind of outlet similar to PR and advertising. It's kind of a crossover of visibility where it you could have pay to play where you have a budget and you're able to control some of those variables because you're not paying for that integration or it could be all earned if you are getting your product into people's hands and then they're talking about it. Paris Hilton just discovered my client's products and it's been talking about them nonstop and it's been incredible and that hasn't been paid. It's just one of those like, yes, she's a celebrity, but in this instance, she's kind of a skincare influencer because she um, takes really good care of her skin. Like I'm talking, she has an entire clinic, like a professional grade clinic set up in her home and focuses on skincare every single, every single day. I mean, it might, must be nice. But in that instance, the client didn't pay anything. They just got the product in her hands and she ended up loving it. So um, and here's just kind of a sample list of what we are doing um, in influencer management and what it entails. There is the aspect of negotiating an influencer contract, um, like getting a better deal than if you were to, your client was just going to walk in off the street and get their rate sheet. So it's like, are they getting that tag? Um, this is uh, part of it is monitoring those posts and including um, that FTC collaborator tag or paid advertisement um, because they have to follow those guidelines. It's illegal if they're talking about a product that they've been paid for that they have not mentioned is a paid collaboration. That is against the law and your clients can be fined and so would the influencer. That's one piece of it. That's like did it go live? Does it have the right tag? Was that included in the contract? Um, you want to also be on top of whether the contract gets paid. You're going to be managing the kind of talking points, creating a like an influencer fact sheet that they will get the talking points that you want them to include. You'll get the um, kind of guidelines of how the partnership will look and managing whether those deliverables from like you're going to review those assets and then you're going to look at the deliverables that the influencer has created and determine whether or not the client, you want to approve it or not approve it before the client ever sees it, that it passes your test. So you're doing all of that behind the scenes before the client even gets eyes on it. Um, you also want to figure out and have it in the contract what the usage rights are for those assets. What is the length of time? Where can they be used? Who maintains ownership? Um, if there is a license beyond that initial period, what is the cost of that? You know, you want to make sure you're on top of how those can be leveraged beyond just, a, you know, a story goes away in 24 hours. Is it going to be saved in their highlights? Is it going to be part of their feed? Um, you also have to see if they are working with other brands that are competition. And if they are, at what 
point can they start working with another brand after working with you? What qualifies as a competing brand? Um, these are all things like your client doesn't want to have their beauty device and it talks about like it's the best LED red light therapy device on the market and then a week later in their feed they've got your competitor right next to them. That is shady, right? It's like as an, a, an audience member of their, of their feed, we would look at it and say, that does not feel authentic. You know, how could you say this is great? There was an influencer I used to follow. We were pitching a lot of baby products to her and I noticed the feed was just product, product, product. Everything was amazing, like I said. And this stroller was the best. And then a week later, this one was the best. And it, it just felt so inauthentic. And the level of excitement for a car versus a air freshener was the same level of enthusiasm. It's like, are you serious right now? Like, I'm supposed to believe that you're that excited about all of these things that you're just being paid to talk about? Like, I don't want to follow you anymore because everything you say is about selling products. It does not feel authentic. So you want to ensure that the um, influencers you're working with for your clients are sharing the products in a way, limiting what the um, exclusivity period is and what products fall within that category so you're not up against your competitors in the same you know, week, month, something like that. Um, you also have to make sure they get the samples and have ample time to try it. That's how you know it's going to be really genuine is that they've had firsthand experience and they'll talk about what their experience was like. That is going to make for better content. Um, so you have to ship the products to them. You have to spend that time to research and find these people. It's really hard. There are platforms out there, but they are very expensive, really expensive. So a lot of it is looking in your niche, following certain hashtags and figuring out who really fits the bill. A lot of time your clients will know. They'll say, you know, we really love so-and-so and we think she's so great and we would love to get our products to her. They know. So you can start to step in and make those introductions. I'm not saying you have a relationship with that person, but as the brand's representative, you make contact, you make that connection, you offer genuine lead to get the products to her. Um, you also would have to help set up affiliate links and discount codes if they're going to offer that as part of their package and what platforms you know what are they going to run these posts on are they going to be all of their channels is it you will tend to see that more channels even if they're not creating more content cost more money and if they are going to be in the feed versus a story with a link or not all of that adds to the cost if they tag the brand as a collaborator, then they can run ads. That also is a cost. And they're going to um, give you a limited window, usually about 30 days. And if it's successful, then they'll come back and renegotiate and say, okay, if you want to continue to use that content in your ads, let's talk about what that's going to look like. So all of this stuff is negotiable, and that's where you come in as the influencer management um, aspect of your business, getting the best deals, making sure that all of the, you know, I's are dotted and T's are crossed, the whole campaign is buttoned up. There's a lot that goes into it. So working with influencers is a couple ways. The first is organic seeding. This is when, um, usually for us, this is how we do it. I'm going to tell you how we do it. If it's organic influencer seeding, 
then that means that we're just offering the products to people that are interested, that are a good fit. There's no payment exchange. The payment is the product itself. So we usually include that in a normal retainer for our product-based clients. For us, just offering that, not that there's a quota attached to it or anything like that, it's more like organically. If it comes our way, if we're working with an influencer for another client, we happen to bring this client in on that, cool, you're part of our roster, you're part of our family, let's just get you in the door with them as well. So we don't charge an additional service for that. With organic seeding, nobody's getting paid. You're gifting products to an influencer and hoping they'll post about it. You can't ask for anything um, guaranteed. Um, you just you know can't. And you um, hope they share it with their followers. And a lot of brands send out products in really elaborate packages. And that is to grab the influencer's attention and hopefully land one of those unboxing videos. Um, and you've seen these brands with these very intricate packages that they're unboxing. Like we've seen Kardashians launching a new fragrance and they'll have like a chocolate that you get a hammer, like a mallet, and you have to crack it open and it inside is the fragrance bottle and it looks like a box of chocolates and it's very cool and everybody's on social within a day or two when the packages arrive cracking open because they're cool unboxing experiences. But there are is a lot of risk involved with organic seeding. Um, obviously, these people get literally dozens of products every month. And there's a high likelihood that your client's PR box might fly under the radar, especially if, if it's a newer client, it doesn't have a lot of name recognition, or it's offering something that's like one product in a box or whatever, right? So... Um, something that's a bigger ticket item like jewelry or gifts from bigger brands, designer items, um, fragrances, things that have a higher value, they tend to get more attention from influencers. They want to talk about the free bag that they received from Gucci, not a free blouse they got from Forever 21. It just positions them in a higher status, right? That just is what tends to happen. And since there's no contract in place, influencers have full control over what they say about your brand. You really can't have input because there's no exchanging of money and the item you're giving is not payment really, it's a gift because they're not obligated to do anything. They could talk about your brand or your product negatively. They could also just not talk about it at all. And if they do feature your client's product in a post, Sometimes they can call it the wrong brand or tag the wrong brand, even if you sent them a card with it that says the brand's ha handle and things like that. So they might call it the wrong name. They might not properly disclose the gifted product. There are risks involved. You just have to send out products and hope for the best and be transparent about this and make sure your client's expectations align with what's possible. They can't get mad at you if you send out a round of PR packages and no one posts about it. It's out of your control and so many brands are doing this that it's not guaranteed. But the second way to get more control is with paid partnerships. And this is where you can add a layer to your influencer management where you have a budget and you're managing that budget to find the right influencers and 
curate a, uh, we do it quarterly, you can do it monthly or whatever, but a strategy that will help you find viable influencers, um, send them products, and um, having control over the content. That's the main benefit, is having that control. So first and foremost, we always want you to encourage the influencers to be honest about their experience with the product. But you can give them talking points. You can negotiate what accounts will will be um, tagged. So the client's tag is part of that negotiation, that they run their opinion on it and they tag the client's product or brand, um, that there are certain hashtags you want them to use, um, you know, any type of content they need to make, how long it is. We often have some challenges with influencers that'll send like little seven second clips that are like so fast. You're going like, what is even happening here? And they'll say, well, this is what tends to perform the best. And so we have to strike that balance of they're letting us know what kind of con content, because people's attention spans are so short, um, what kind of content resonates and performs well versus your client wanting an infomercial that's 10 minutes long talking about all the features and benefits of their products. There's going to be some balance in there that the negotiation is going to entail. Um, you can also repurpose this content into testimonial videos that you can run as paid ads or use as social proof, but you just want to ensure that that option is in the influencer's contract. Your client's budget is that main hurdle with paid influencer partnerships. So um, we look at it quarterly because these partnerships take so long. There's more runway to find the influencers, align the content with um, you know, what are we requesting from them and how does it align with when clients are launching products. So that gives us quarterly, gives us more time and more runway. It could be monthly, but that it's like you're constantly looking for influencers and managing those negotiations and tracking contracts and doing all the things. So doing influencer management on top of PR will result in an additional cost on top of your client's existing retainer. So um, one thing we do is we add on a monthly retainer fee for paid influencer collaborations um, because we're doing so much work behind the scenes and then also an additional kind of 10% um, of the budget. So let's say their budget for the year is $50,000 and we're managing that, that would be an additional kind of, it's not a lot, but $5,000 is typically how um, ad agencies run. Um, you would get 10% of the budget and also for us, we want an additional monthly fee because there's so, so much additional work involved. So sometimes we will also pay for some of these partnerships out of our own pocket because um, if the influencer needs to be paid within a certain runway and the client can't get it processed fast enough and I trust the clients this is a big risk you guys you have to be really really comfortable to know that this is going to 
come back your way. But if your client's payments term payment terms don't align with the influencer's preferred way and timeline of being paid, then you might have to consider paying that influencer and then getting reimbursed by your client. And I had a client that did it this way because they couldn't process payments fast enough. It's just not how they were set up. I really trusted them. It worked out really well for us because I was running everything on a credit card and I got bonus points and miles and cash back. And it was a lot of money running through my credit card, but they, we, they were a longstanding client and it was okay for me, but I wouldn't recommend that unless it is, usually it is a large client that this is the case for. I have a friend who does media buying for um, the big studios like Amazon, Netflix, Apple Plus, um, because she's buying ads for her clients' uh, Emmy and Oscar and Golden Globe campaigns. And she runs a million dollars or more worth of media buying on her credit card. And she gets reimbursed and she's like, I've never paid for travel because I have so many points and miles. And so I look at that like a benefit, but you have to have the cash flow to do it. And it's scary. So it tends to only be with bigger clients that you're pretty sure are not going anywhere <laughs> and you have a good relationship with. But there's always that risk. It's always like, ah, you know, don't let it get too far ahead. Um, if they stop paying or you don't get paid on time, you have to stop and be like, you need to pay me immediately because the risk is on your shoulders. But that tends to happen with bigger clients who cannot pay influencers in the timeline they need them to. Um, okay. Another thing that you could do aside from doing it yourself is um, private label influencer management services. So if you want to add this to your offering, but you don't want to take on the work, you can outsource it. Depending on who you're looking to work with, um, you can find an influencer management agency, maybe get a referral fee um, when they work with your client, or you can private label their services through your agency and then charge a margin. You know, you have some profitability on top of it and run everything through your business. And it may feel a little bit strange, especially if you're used to doing everything in-house. Maybe um, you have run everything through your business or you're a solopreneur and this is um, a new offering, but it can really be worth it because there are so many moving parts to influencer management and it's way more complicated than it used to be. I mean, way more complicated. There's more platforms. There's more brands and businesses vying for these opportunities. There's more influencers that are looking to turn their content and their following, their influence into a business. And you have to be able to vet the ones that are trash and not really aligned with what your clients want. Their values maybe aren't aligned. Like there's a lot to pay attention to. So... If you have a trusted third-party agency or a professional that you really trust, then the amount of kind of headache, time, energy that you're saving, it might be worth it for you. And it is such a value add for your agency that it may be your best bet. So um, this is something that clients want to work with like a one-stop shop. So if you're offering PR and 
Maybe you're doing some content creation. This could be an extension of that. You know, you want to think of it as, um, think of influencer partnerships as an owned opportunity. So the results are more guaranteed and you can show off these results as proven work for your agency. So it's, we all are driven and, you know, we are competitive. We want to get results. And sometimes with um, PR, when the results just aren't coming, it's really frustrating. It's out of our hands. So it's not the same as pitching. You know, when you're emailing a contact and you don't really hear anything back and you're wondering what's going on, this is a way that you can show the value you can offer to your client during these leaner times. These services are a way that can help kind of fill in the gaps when you are having trouble landing organic press hits or you don't have launches going on. Um, there's nothing on the horizon and you're like, what are we, what are we doing? You know, what can we do here? This is where you can turn to these influencers to get some buzz and get some visibility for your clients. And because you, if you have a little budget, then it's more guaranteed. And then there's something tangible to show them. So is influencer management worth it? I think it really depends. Um, there's a lot of questions to ask yourself uh, before you would incorporate this into your agency and questions you would ask clients, okay? So here's the things I want you to think about. Um, does the, your client have a budget for influencer management beyond just products? Um, how many products do you have at the ready to be able to offer to influencers? Are they ready to pay influencers to post? Do they get why they might need to do that? Have you really explained to them the difference between organic and paid in this context? Do you have the bandwidth to add it to your agency, either through somebody that is on your own team or a private labeled third party agency or freelancer that's providing that service? Um, is there an option to do the front end work? This is what we do, you guys. We find the influencers, we research who they are, what does their feed look like, are they the right fit? Um, we reach out, we make that initial contact, and then we just tee it up in a nice little package and we send it to the client and they execute the rest in-house. So they're, we've done a rough negotiation of the terms of the contract. They will review and sign, execute the contract they will manage the content for approval. They will ensure the content goes live. We do the front end work, we find the influencers, we negotiate the broad terms, and then we tee it, off, you know, tee it up and hand it off to the client and they execute the rest in house. And it saves us an immense amount of time. All of the nitty gritty in the actual posting and tagging and blah, blah, blah. There's just so much. Um, so that's how we're doing it. And we do get paid an additional fee to manage influencers in that way. Um, it involves a lot of contracts, managing deliverables, and an exchange of money. And if you're ready for it, um, it's a lot of management on your end in terms of both your client and understanding what they want to get out of it. What are their goals? What are their objectives? Who's the right fit to work with? Um, what are they trying to promote? Is it a specific product? Is it a brand launch? Is it a, 
you know, we have a client who's made an update to one of their products and it performs better and we want influencers to show the improvement. That's different than launching a product. So all of these things are part of the decision making, the discussion that goes on with the client and um, you're also managing that influencer. Like, so if they miss a launch, they miss a deadline, you have to be on top of all of that. So it depends. Some, some people really like all of this. They want to see their clients get their products into hands of influencers. They like having these connections with these people. They like negotiating those terms. And some people are like, I don't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole. You can decide. Um, is this something we want to offer? Do you want to add it to your existing offering? Um, I think that that's a great option, you know, because then you're able to fill in those gaps when uh, organic hits are kind of running lean. You don't have anything new to talk about. You're kind of like, what's on the horizon? Um, this is a way to kind of bridge the gap with owned media, which is like your social channels, blog posts, and earned media. Um, and, and, uh, or paid, you know, so you can pay these people and have more control or give them products and have them hopefully write about it. That's more organic. So it's up to you. Um, uh, this is a really great strategy for clients that are product based, but you really have to understand the industry as a whole to get the best results. But that's what I have for you guys. Thank you for joining me. Be well. Give someone a compliment today. Give somebody a hug. Smile at somebody. You never know how that's going to just brighten somebody's day. So um, I appreciate you guys, and I will see you again next week. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pitching Powerhouse podcast. If you're ready to up-level your pitching skills so that you can provide stellar services to your clients, you should think about joining the Pitch Lab. Check out the link in the episode description to learn more. So the Pitch Lab is this awesome, incredible monthly membership experience where you will get the proven formula for crafting PR pitches that actually convert and get tons of strategic, timely pitch angles so you never run out of pitch ideas again. Oh, and you also get access to incredible monthly execution plans that save you hours of time and include irresistible pitch angles that the media cannot ignore. With relevant and timely strategies and topics for PR coverage during current events, holidays, monthly awareness observances, <laughs> say that fast three times, seasonal events, and more, you'll be able to create PR content that makes your clients stand out even if you are new to PR. So check out the link in this episode's description to learn more. And as always, be sure to tune into next week for another incredible episode packed with the insights you need to become a pitching powerhouse.